0: Welcome to Part 1 of Health System CIO's interview with Andy Kortz, CIO at Sarah Cannon, the Cancer Institute of HCA Healthcare. In this segment, Quartz talks about the unique challenges that come with being in a field that has traditionally been very fragmented, what his team is doing to try to improve the clinical trials recruiting process, and how they're partnering with digital reasoning to create a better model for reading and flagging pathology reports. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK, a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit LK.com. That's e-l-l-k-a-y.com. Thanks
1: again, Andy, for taking some time to speak with Health Systems CIO. My pleasure. Okay. So to start off, can you give an overview of Sarah Cannon, where you are, things like that?
2: Yes, certainly. So Sarah Cannon is the uh, cancer service line for all of HCA. So if you know anything about HCA, Mm -hmm. massive organization with around 185 hospitals, and Sarah Cannon is specifically a subsidiary that manages the cancer service line for HCA. So we have around 50 cancer centers uh, that we provide management service to. And then we also have a clinical trial platform, which we work with medical oncologists uh, predominantly today around clinical trial management. So whether that is revenue cycle management, compliance, FDA management, IT platform, medical oncologists plug into that platform and and we manage end-to-end the process of uh, enrolling patients to a clinical trial.
1: All right. And there's different sites, it looks like, uh, around the country and then one uh, outside of the country?
2: Yeah. The UK is both under our cancer care operations as well as we have a drug development unit there. So that's a phase one clinical trial unit, so that is where patients are going to come to to get uh, first in man treatments. So literally, right as a drug, comes kind of out of preclinical and goes into clinical. That's where patients Mm -hmm. are going to be enrolled in in that unit, and we have a number of those drug development units uh, across the U.S. as well.
1: Great. And then as far as HCA, What is the relationship or or reporting structure? Is it something where Mm -hmm. you, can you kind of get into that?
2: Yeah, I'll give you that history. HA is a lot like other hospital companies in that uh, cancer care was predominantly taking place in the outpatient setting. And so they didn't have, they obviously have a huge presence in terms of surgical oncology, but when it came to medical oncology, they did not have that big of a presence outside of a few markets. And Mm -hmm. that kind of changed in 2006 when HA announced a a joint venture with Tennessee Oncology here, and that was specifically the the Sarah Cannon Research Institute. That joint venture basically was 100% dedicated to clinical trials, ultimately building a platform up so that medical oncologists, if they're in a market, a lot of times private medical oncologists are competing with academia, And it's hard that academia has all that research infrastructure. So what we do is we reach out to them and we say, hey, look, you can enjoy the benefits of private practice, but plug into our platform. And through that platform, we can give you everything that academia would be in terms of the overhead. So you don't have to go negotiate a trial with Pfizer or AstraZeneca. Mm -hmm. We can do that on your behalf. And so that kind of happened until 2012 or so. And H.J. didn't have the strongest presence in cancer. And they kind of reached out to Sarah Kane and said, hey, we know you're doing all this great stuff in cancer research. Can you take all of the findings that you're doing in research and apply that to everyday cancer care throughout the HA system? And that, at that point, we moved to not just do research, but now also kind of did a whole refresh of all of our cancer centers that are now managed by my team. So all of those systems all roll up to us, and now we have a common database for all cancer patients. We've got a common infrastructure where we can basically see exactly what's going on at all of our cancer centers at any one moment and Sarah Cannon at that point was bought out Tennessee Oncology and so now it's a 100% wholly owned uh, subsidiary 100% dedicated to cancer for HCA.
1: Okay so obviously you're dealing with some pretty huge amounts of data let's get into that and first of all what type of system do you have in place as far as electronic medical records
2: yeah, so on the inpatient side of the house, so this is what makes cancer so much fun, is that it's mm-hmm. incredibly fragmented. On the inpatient side yeah. of the house, we have Meditech. So mm-hmm. Meditech is where any cancer surgeries will happen. That will happen within Meditech. As it yeah. goes outpatient, we have two options typically for patients. That's radiation therapy. And all of our radiation therapy systems are under the Varian EMR. Mm -hmm. And that is FDA-regulated, so you can't really pick an EMR. It can't be an Epic, it can't be a Cerner, it can't be a Meditech, because the actual beam is controlled by the EMR, and that's where all the data goes. So we have Varian for all of radiation oncology. And then on the outpatient side of the house, it really depends on who our medical oncology partner is. And the most common that we see is flat iron but there are other vendors out there as well that do uh chemotherapy, so all three of those different data sets we bring together in a into a cancer data warehouse and uh so we can see the entire patient journey okay,
1: and how have you been able to do that? I imagine that's a pretty complex process
2: yeah h uh, a about ten years ago made a significant investment in in a data warehouse as well as a um, enterprise master patient index. And Mm -hmm. those two investments were the foundation we built upon. The piece that was probably the trickiest is that we didn't have a defined data model for cancer. So we basically took it upon ourselves to define that standard. So what's the standard uh, when we bring in the radiation therapy data? What are the key data points that we're looking for? When we bring in the medical oncology data, what are those data points that we're looking for? And then when we bring in the surgical oncology data, what are those pieces that we need structured that aren't structured today? And all of that comes and lands in our data warehouse. The trickiest part, I think, would be defining the cancer data standards that ultimately make our analytics work and also drives our our outcomes research as well.
1: Is this something that, to your knowledge, other cancer organizations are dealing with as far as really having to define those data elements
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely behind where the rest of the industry is in terms of a a data warehouse because the journey can be very fragmented from inside a hospital to outside a hospital to partnerships, and you have to really align all those interests to get the data to flow into one place. I do think we're ahead. One of the things that's nice about HCA – is there's really nothing that is very niche. So if you go to some health systems and they say they're doing cancer, a lot of the times that'll roll up under the imaging team. So the yeah. imaging teams that do a lot of the uh, the cancer functions also end up owning other pieces of either the radiation oncology system or uh, the chemotherapy system. And I think at HA, I'm lucky because I have a team of 90 people that report up to me, and all we do is work on clinical trials for cancer or care systems for cancer. And, and so we're really lucky that we have the bandwidth and the attention. Now it helps that we have scale. But that size makes it not feel niche, if you will.
1: Great. And so looking at things like personalized medicine, uh, I'm sure that that's something that that's always working towards.
2: Definitely. We made a big acquisition two years ago of a Cambridge, Massachusetts company called Genospace. Okay. And what that gave us, which I haven't even talked about in terms of our cancer data model, was the genomic data model which I think was a gap in terms of our capabilities, at least my team's capabilities, to bring that genomic data model together. And uh, this team uh, ultimately had it, so we made that acquisition. And and what they do for us is, cancer patients typically want to get molecular profiled during their cancer journey. That molecular profile will ultimately tell the genomic disposition of your cancer tissue. And in our network, we use a lot of different labs. So there is a Foundation Medicine that does genomics, molecular profiling. You've got other labs called Garden. You got local labs. Uh, you've got other regional labs that all do it. And we wanted to make sure that genomic data was part of our cancer data warehouse as well. So we we acquired Genospace, and what they had the ability to do is whether we were getting a feed from Foundation Medicine or whether we were getting a feed from Gardent, we could bring that genomic data in and map it so that we had one standard for all the data warehouse and all the analytics to function from. And so that's been a a real differentiator because particularly in the clinical trial space is probably what uh, spurred the investment in Genospace. Yeah. About 70 80% of our clinical trials that we offer now in cancer, it requires a molecular profile or it requires genomics, if you will. And okay. so we weren't able to find the patients that we needed uh, to enroll to the clinical trials without having this analytics infrastructure to be able to say, we're looking for this type of patient with this genomic biomarker. And without having that data structured, mapped to a standard, we couldn't query appropriately to find the patients. So we were seeing enrollments of on our clinical trial side of the house go down. But now through this investment, the genospace, and through the ability to structure and manage that genomic data, we have seen a tremendous increase in the ability to enroll patients to those specific clinical trials, immunotherapy and, and targeted therapies. And that has been a significant capability that we now have today, and the analytics that result from that, particularly from an outcomes perspective, has been tremendous to what the, the organization has been able to do.
1: Really interesting. But, and if you touched on that, that's the genomic data side.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other big piece was the investment with AI partner of ours, uh, digital reasoning. And uh, mm-hmm. what they do for us is analyze really that pathology data. So In most cases when you uh, come into an H.A. hospital and you uh, have a colonoscopy done or you have a biopsy done of of certain tissues, what typically happens with our pathology labs is we'll send them off that tissue and they will actually dictate, hey, this is the disposition of that tissue from a pathological perspective And, and that data is critical for us to grab, but it always comes back to our EMR system in an unstructured way. And Mm -hmm. when when it comes back unstructured, what we were relying upon in order to uh, either launch navigation programs or to reach out to primary care providers who had ordered that colonoscopy, we had to manually read through each pathology result report to actually find the patient. So it was incredibly manual effort, and uh, one of the things that we did with Digital Reasoning was put a different pathological uh, AI models on top so that without having a human to intervene, we could flag every report that uh, actually had a cancer diagnosis. So keep in mind, in HA alone, we probably um, see over two million pathology reports a year. So that's probably upwards of around two million procedures that are being Mm -hmm. done. And of that, we harvest about 100,000 cancer patients. So think of the manual process to go, hey, do we have any cancer patients this week in the cancer center uh, that have been recently diagnosed? Well, we don't know because we haven't read those reports yet. And now we have a model that actually can read it and flag it so that we can then act upon those diagnoses. Right.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.